Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. So talking today with my smart banking guest, Rachel Ela, about how to manage the fees and the overdraft protection and how you end up not having your money cost more money than you're actually making. So, you know, what's a smart consumer to do? There's uh, fees for ATM, there are fees for overdraft, charges going into the bank. Sometimes you hear about that, you hear about bounce checks. And this is actually pretty big money. There was a recent, um, the FDIC now requires banks, this is a recent rule, started in 2017, to track what it is people are spending on banking fees. And I got to tell you, the numbers are staggering. So the first quarter of the tracking, which happened in 2017, they found $7.4 billion spent in banking fees to include overdraft protection, maintenance fees, ATM fees. And the one that actually hit me like a lightning bolt, overdraft fees, 34% of this. Now remember that this, 7.4 7.4 billion was just a quarter. So if this trend continues, you know, this could be a huge amount of money that consumers pay. And sometimes it's just because they are not paying attention and they just don't have time and they're going along and they're hitting these little fees and they're going, it's $10, it's $20, it's $30, but they're not even thinking about how much they may add up over the course of the year. So I've asked Rachel to come talk to us about banking and how people can do better with their banking and what banking services are today that people maybe don't even know about yet. So Rachel, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. So I was kind of blown away by the number, but you must see it every day. Um, Tell me a little bit about what people could do, especially around the area, seeing as the biggest category was overdraft fees, which is, you know, which includes things like bounce checks or overdraft advances. Tell me a little bit about what happens when money comes into the bank and there's not enough money in the account. Sure. So when a check or an automatic payment comes through and you don't have enough in your account, you are hit with anywhere from 28 to a 35 even a $40 fee for that one negative item. Wow. So, additionally, there's a chance that whoever you wrote that check to may also extend a bounce check fee to you as well. Oftentimes we see 10 to $20. That check is going to try to clear the system twice in most cases. So you didn't have the money the first time. It goes back to the bank that you that w- it was deposited into. They try it a second time. Okay, the money's still not there because it's a couple days later and you just haven't been paying attention to your banking history. You've got another fee and most likely you have. there are other repercussions on the other side. Um, maybe someone is no longer going to accept checks from you. Uh, maybe you just got a fee from your credit card company and it, it's actually upped the rate that you're paying. So just from, so you say you're getting charged $35 just from your bank, that's $70 just from your bank. And there's a lot of possibility to be 
ratcheting up the expenses in a couple different places. Yeah. And this is just the one check. I mean, one of the things that I see with people is that it piles on. So imagine you didn't have enough money by a small amount of money. The first check comes in and let's say the check is for $500 and you have $480 in your account and the check is returned and you're charged $40. Now you don't have $480, you have $440. And then it comes back again. Now you have $400 and maybe another check is out there. Or, and so it can snowball pretty quickly. You know, I always tell the story. I talk about it a little bit in my book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money. My first experience with learning about how expensive banking mistakes can be was when I was in college. I had a little checkbook at a bank, a now whatever, many banks ago bank, Shamit Bank, which was big in Massachusetts at the time. I had written a $5 check to the bookstore and it bounced. And I've forgotten what it was for, probably cigarettes. I was smoking back then. Don't tell anybody, but it was a long time ago. And um, I char- they charged me $20 for the $5 bounce check. And I thought to myself, if I had the $20, I would have had the $5. I mean, this goes back to the early 80s. And I was a, you know, I was a poor working college student who didn't have a clue. But what I learned then was if I had $20, I never would have bounced a $5 check. I can't afford to lose $20 at the bank over and over again. But it was really easy because it had something to do with my ATM or you know, checks hadn't cleared that I thought had cleared or whatever it was. And it is confusing. But online banking today makes it a lot easier for you to be more on top of your balance. So why don't you talk a little bit about how people might without a lot of work, be able to pay a little bit more attention and save some of those fees? Absolutely. So first off, what's important for people to realize is the financial system in general moves a lot faster than it used to last year, five years ago, and lightning speed past, what, 20 years ago. There really is no such thing as a float anymore. We all know we used to be able to write a check in maybe four or five days. You had that time. Okay, I know I'm getting paid on this day. It won't come through until the next day. It doesn't work that way anymore. Um, With digital processing and ACH, things really move quite quickly. So if you are writing a check or if you are making a payment, you need to have the money in your account at the time you are making that payment. You need to expect that there's a possibility it could even come out same day, depending on how it's being processed. So using your online banking is huge. Checking it in the morning, checking it at night, at least once a day is really important. If you don't have the time to do that, and I've talked about this before, there are notifications on almost all online banking platforms where you can set reminders for yourself. Knowing how you use your bank account, you can set reminders to let you know when checks clear, when you're at a minimum balance. Uh, when something comes in, if you want to, if you expect a certain payment at a certain time of the month and it would really mess things up if you did not receive that payment, you can create notifications for yourself. So there's a lot of opportunity for you to just set this up in your online banking. Uh, you can get text alerts in many banks. You can get emails or just when you sign on your online banking, your home screen will give you some messages based on the notifications you've set up. You said something that just jumped out at me. This idea that you could set an alarm that gives you a a notification if you're at 
what you think about as your safe minimum. Because that would resolve it for a lot of people. Most people know about how much, you know, the kind of checks that they write over the course of the month, right? So if Mm -hmm. I say, you know, I always know that I need to have, if I have $5,000 in my checking account, I am not worried about anything. So I could go in and say, notify me if I have less than $5,000. And then maybe I have money in a savings account or money in a money market account that I could sweep into checking when it got under that number. But maybe that's, and everybody's got their own safe number, but maybe that's mine. I'm just throwing it out there. So that means that if my mortgage came in, there'd be plenty. If a car payment came in, that would be plenty. If real estate taxes got, you know, whatever it was, that that would, I'd never have to worry about it. So I could go in and set that up and say, notify me if I have less than $5,000 in my checking account. And it would just happen. Or for some of us, it might be notify me if I have less than $500 in my checking account. It doesn't matter what that number is. It only matters that that number says to you, time to take action. Absolutely. It's a great tool to use. And even more so, in some cases, you might be able to go further with that. So many banks have uh, ways to either set up with your banker or by yourself online. You can say, when my checking account hits this minimum balance, I want to sweep over enough from my savings account to maintain that $5,000, that $500, whatever the amount is. So if you have an additional account in the bank that you use for your primary banking, where your operating account is, it's great to have that cushioned savings account as well to maintain what you need to have a healthy balance throughout the month to cover all of your expenses. So you can actually set up an automatic sweep from savings. Talk to me about that versus people that get overdraft protection and how you might think about one or the other or both. So overdraft protection is a credit line. It's $1,000, what have you, whatever you are approved for that is attached to your checking account and that you pay an annual percentage rate on based on how you draw from it. It's something that automatically sweeps over when you need it. Now, that's great as long as you're using it appropriately. Really, you should not be utilizing an overdraft line to pull half or nearly all of the credit line available to you and then let that balance sit there. You know, we all know that it's not great to use a credit card where you put a large balance because you're paying 15, 18%. That's not a great use of your money. So that's that's one way to use overdraft protection is just use it. I messed up. I, I went into the overdraft for a couple of days. Uh, I was away on vacation, so I swept for my overdraft. It covered it. I paid 18% on $300 for three days. That's really a very small amount when you compare it to a $35 overdraft fee. Right, because it's not really, it's 18% is the annual rate. So if you kept it out there for a year, it would be a lot of interest. But for three days, it's cheaper than the bounce check charge. By far. And so one of the things I always say to people is every time you get paid, you go in and you manually pay off your overdraft if it exists. Absolutely. And with many overdraft lines, you can actually set as soon as you have a certain balance in that checking account again, you pay it, you automatically pay that down. Really? So just like it automatically sweeps over, you can have it automatically sweep back over so you're not carrying that balance as soon as you have money that's free. 
So there's a lot of smart technology in banks today that could help save 34% of $7 billion a quarter. That's a lot of money. It's a huge amount of money. I saw that number and I was just like, wow, we could save a little bit of that. Yeah, it's pretty astounding. Um, and you mentioned savings accounts. So yes, you can use the overdraft line of credit, but then also if you have your own money, why not use it? So, it, and it depends on how you manage your money. You may have that emergency fund that sits there and you don't want to touch it until that declared emergency happens. So you may feel more comfortable with using the overdraft uh, line for a few days. It's really how you look at your operating money, your emergency funds, those uh, liquid assets in your savings accounts, and how you want to manage them. But there are lots of options. It can be as automated as you want. It's important to look at your accounts, look at your statements, and make sure that you are using your accounts correctly. Now, you might actually be charged for sweeping from your savings. There's a chance that you get charged $10 to sweep from your savings into your checking to cover an overdraft. So is that the smartest tool for you to be using? So then you might be better off to use the overdraft if that's going to be the case. Exactly. So you need to find out what your bank's rules are, though, and you need to know whether or not your bank is going to charge you to sweep it and which way is cheaper to cover the emergency check that happens. Because I would argue that, you know, if you start bouncing checks, you guys got to know that rainy day fund, actually, it's raining. You shouldn't Mm -hmm. be bouncing checks. So, you know, people that are unwilling to spend the money in savings because they you know, because they're, uh, because that's their rainy day money. Listen, if you're bouncing checks, it's raining. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. So what's important, and we started to touch upon this, is making sure that you are in and that you understand the type of accounts and that they, they're relevant to how you live your life and how you manage your money. Um, I found a statistic on the Federal Reserve. Uh, it's a survey of consumer finances. And the median checking account balance for 35 to 44-year-olds, I fall into that category, so we're going to use that. The average median checking uh, balance is $2,000. So I did a quick re- a little bit of research. And in my neighborhood, within 5 to 10 minutes of where I work and where I live, there are 10 different financial institutions. And these are local, regional, national. There's a lot of choices out there. Within those 10 banks, there were 26 checking accounts to choose from. So you actually almost have to have like a PhD in finance, 26 checking accounts. That's a lot to look through. Yeah, it truly is. It truly is. And there's a lot of requirements There are plenty of accounts out there that truly are free checking accounts. But there are also lots of accounts out there that do offer some benefits that are great and might really help you um, and how you use your time and how you use your money. But there's prerequisites to having those free or those great benefits. You might need to make a deposit. You might need to have a direct deposit. There might be a balance requirement. Uh, You might have to get an e-statement. You might have to have a loan. So if you're not careful in choosing the account that you have put yourself in, you could end up creating more expenses for yourself. 
You know, and one of the things that I learned, Rachel, recently was that banks change the offerings and offer different offerings along the way. And a lot of times, you know, I don't know if it's inertia, um, you know, it's brain freeze. It's nobody wants to go into the bank because they're going fast, fast, fast. They want to do it all online. That sometimes you actually just need to go in and ask somebody, what's the best account based on how I use it? I find your local banker can actually look at your activity and say, this is probably the best account for you based on how you use it and and filter that for you. Absolutely. And when I work with small businesses and you know even large corporations, that's something we absolutely do on a regular basis. We have less of an opportunity to do that with our personal customers because to your point, people are in a rush. They've got a lot to do. They have places to go. And we're not being asked that question. But 100%, we are happy to sit down with you, look at your activity, look at the fees that you've been charged, and see how we can get you into uh, an account that will serve you better. And um, I think, Rachel, and- don't you think that people are, um, I think they look at it and it's like $20. Oop, that was a mistake. That won't happen again. Up. Uh, $3 for this ATM charge. I'll have to remember that in the future. And they don't, because they're small in, you know, they're smaller dollars when they hit you, you're not paying a lot of attention to it till it, you really think about how much did you pay over the quarter or how much did you pay over the year? And it's, so if you're finding that, you know, as a consumer that every once in a while, 20 bucks is popping up, it's time to go in and sit down with your banker and say, am I in the right account for the way I use my bank? And so to your point, if there are 26 checking accounts within five or 10 miles of where you live, the bottom line is there's a lot of choice and it's important. The onus is on you to pick the one that's going to actually work for you, but you don't have to go figure that out yourself. You can, you know, go sit down with your banker and actually have them look at your account and tell you what you think makes sense. Absolutely. You know, I looked at, let's use that number again of $2,000 in a checking account. I looked at one of those 26 options and there was an account that had a minimum balance of $2,500. If you did not meet that minimum balance, you would be charged $25. That same bank would charge uh, $3.50 if you used an ATM that was not within their network. So just looking at, say, someone did not meet their minimum balance requirement and used an out-of-network ATM twice, that would be $32 for one month. If you pull that out, that's $384 a year. You know what that is? That's Netflix, Hulu, and takeout pizza every month. Absolutely. That's a lot of money. Yep. If you look at it in five years, it's over $1,900. That's a weekend, like a good weekend away in New York City. Yeah. Um. Or if we want to be, if we really want to look at it, I'm charity-minded. A lot of us are really charity-minded. We have those passions of nonprofits that we like to support. The New Hampshire Food Bank can take $1 and turn it into two meals. So in one year, you have spent 768 meals worth of money on feed. And, you know, here's what I'll say to you. This is money people don't intend to spend. To your point, you know, there's those of us who are charitably inclined, and I'm like you, I'm a big believer in that I've been, that I've been blessed in my life and that it's important to share in that with others. And so, but I don't mean to give the bank 
$400 a year in fees just because I didn't pay attention. I mean to, um, to, to give money to charity that I actually want to give. I mean to pay for services that I actually need. And I want to get the right product, but I don't always have the time. So if somebody's going to try to boil it down and move fast about their banking, what do you think are the two or three things that they should be focused in on? That $2,000 person, what are the four or five things they should be asking their bank? So if you're moving quickly, you should be asking your banker, is there anything that I should be using to allow me to continue my lifestyle the way that I use my bank? So if you get checks here and there, but you're never near your bank when it's open, ask that question. Mobile banking has some great features these days. You can take pictures of your check and you can deposit it remotely. That's huge for so many people. You get your money into your account without having to stop at the bank. Um, It's a great feature. So, okay, you're probably going to avoid some overdraft fees because you got that check into the account faster than you would have had you hit the drive-through. You need to talk about online banking, bill pay. Are there fees for that? Bill pay moves your money faster. It gets to the people you're paying faster, and therefore, you're probably going to avoid fees on that side of things. Look online. There's some great um, websites like Bankrate. And there's some other comparison websites that line up all of the accounts you can put in your zip code, and it will put the accounts in a summary for you and show you what features they are, what the charge is, if there's a way for you to avoid that fee. So that's online if you're doing it at 2 in the morning and you just want to get the answers you need. And then the last option is you're at the drive up, you've gone inside to get some cash out with your banker, ask it quickly, and they'll be able to tell you very quickly what you could do. It doesn't take long for your banker to take a look at the last 30 days of your activity and make some recommendations to you. So last thing I'm going to ask you about for this show, can you give clients um, and listeners a quick tip about how they want to try to manage ATMs? Because let's face it, we're all traveling these days and not every bank is everywhere in the world. What should people know about ATMs? Uh, They should know that there's a lot of different ways that they can get charged for using an ATM. So I took a look around uh, the market, and it's fairly common for a bank to charge you for using an ATM that is not theirs. Um, I found a bank, and this is not uncommon, that charges $5 for using another bank's ATM. Now, that other bank is also going to charge you a surcharge for using their ATM. So an example is this particular bank will charge you $5 for using another bank's ATM, and that ATM will charge you $3.50. So that's $8.50 for that transaction. Oh, my God. I thought when you saw that surcharge that that was the only thing you paid. You mean you pay both? It depends on your bank, but there is every possibility that you will be charged in two different ways. So you definitely want to know if your bank charges before you even think about putting your card in somebody else's ATM machine or before you think about getting an ATM from that bank. Are there a lot of banks that don't charge or is that become status quo? 
No, actually, it's a great feature. There are a lot of checking accounts out there, and there are a lot of banks that will either not charge you that out-of-network fee. There are some banks that will even rebate back you other ATMs fees. So you get charged that surcharge, your bank may give it back to you. They might have a limit, like maybe they'll just give you $10 per month back. Some will even rebate back all of those fees. Some do it even internationally. So it's a great question. Again, that's another one where you're at the drive-up window. Your banker will be able to answer that for you very quickly. Because if you look at applying that $8.50 fee to you needed $20 at the drugstore that you just grabbed or, say, the bowling alley, that actually translates into a rate of 42.5%. Oh, my God. That's larceny. It is. I mean, you would never, first off, you could never actually get a loan with that percentage rate unless you're paying like Frankie Scalise on some street corner to borrow money. (laughs) Um, But it's really, you have to do the math and doesn't make sense, you know, really to get something that's kind of an acceptable rate is you would actually have to pull out $300, which is the maximum that most ATMs will let you take out that $8.50 fee turns into 2.8% of that transaction. Yeah. And if you're, you know, that's just like, you think about how much money your people are making in a savings account these days. Guys, if you haven't been paying attention, savings accounts are paying definitely less than one and a half, mostly less than one, sometimes less than a half a percent. You really can't afford to spend 2.8% to access your own money. This is what I mean about making your own money expensive. It's just about knowing these rules. Not every bank charges these fees or charges them in every account. And so it's important to decide you're going to do a little bit of work. This, you know, falls under the idea of becoming a smart consumer, doing a little bit to say, how can I make sure that I don't pay any part of that 7.4 billion every quarter that Americans are paying on banking fees? How do we make sure that we reduce my personal contribution to banking fees? You know, Rachel, I'm really excited that you came to um, to be with us today to talk about this. If people wanted to reach out to you and, uh, and to my favorite bank, Optima Bank, how would they do that? So you can certainly reach me via email, and that is my first initial last name. So R-E-L-A at OptimaBank.com. And I would certainly welcome you to check out our website to learn more about our checking products. We have a very to-the-point product. And yes, we rebate back all ATM fees. Rebate back all ATM fees. That just is music to my little ears. Thanks so much for being on our, our show today. For our listeners, if you missed her contact information, you can get it in the show notes. If you like this podcast, recommend it to your friends and make sure to give us good flags on, um, give us good ratings because that helps us drive our podcast. And we're grateful for that. Thanks till we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.